0: Since we are going to be talking about issues of health and well-being, we wanted to make sure that you understand that this information is not intended to cure or heal anything. Everything in the presentations is the opinion of Alex Lloyd. You should always check with a licensed healthcare provider about any specific health concern you may have. Hi, I'm Dr. Alex Lloyd and welcome to The New Jesus. I want to make a brief statement today before I start into the actual um, teaching. And, uh... This is taking a little further the thing I've said many times as we've done this. You have every right to disagree with anything and everything that I say. And I highly advise that. At least disagree with it to the point of researching it for yourself and finding out on your own, okay? Uh, Please don't believe something Just because I say it, I am wrong all the time, and I'm not a biblical scholar, Um, I wouldn't say either. Now, my undergraduate degree was in ministry, okay? So I did have a lot of stuff there, and then did 10 years of full-time ministry after that, but um, I'm not really a scholar. I don't know the Greek, the Hebrew, the Aramaic. I was never great with languages, and uh, just didn't go there. Okay, so, but So I want you to know that, and I've said that many times, but today that ratchets up a little bit, because, um, and this may sound weird, and, and I don't mean it weird, but it's the only way I can think to say it that kind of conveys what I'm feeling. Um, I believe that up until now, in the New Jesus teachings, I've been holding back a little. Uh, for a number of reasons that I'll share a little bit of that. But um, starting right now today, I plan, with God's help and the Holy Spirit hopefully leading and guiding, to quit holding back. Uh, When I started the Healing Codes back in 2001, after the discovery of the healing codes. Actually, I feel like it was given to me by God. And then uh, developing that into a systematic, uh, pretty complete program. The first place I went was churches. I, like I just said, my that was my background. I was just coming out of 10 years of ministry. I had great uh, references uh, for that, you know. Um, and that's... That's where I'd been, so that's where I went when the discovery of the healing codes came, kind of out of my private practice in counseling and therapy. After ministry, I went back to graduate school, got my Ph.D. in psychology, a doctorate in D in natural medicine, but was still doing pretty much private practice counseling and therapy with some energy psychology and energy medicine integrated, and, and it it worked pretty well until I realized that I would get in huge trouble with the APA, the American Psychological Association, if I used energy medicine in a counseling psychology private practice. They literally considered it illegal and would take you to court um, if you were doing it. In fact, one a good friend of mine, Steve Daniels, and a former partner of mine in business they did take him to court because that's exactly what he was doing. And so he kind of opted to, you know, put his psychologist license over to the side so that he could, without getting taken to court or put in jail, practice energy psychology and energy medicine. Now, that's totally changed today. Energy psychology and energy medicine are the fastest growing areas in psychology and medicine. Um, so, you know, today, that's a different deal. You wouldn't get taken to court. They wouldn't send you to jail or whatever. Why? Because today they know they work. Um, but anyway, the reason I brought that up is when churches were afraid of me, kind of, thinking I was new age or whatever, um, I started going to the people that would accept me, and would let me speak, and teach, and try to help people, Uh, and that wasn't any one group. It was a whole bunch of different groups. It was really anyone and everyone that would let me come and teach, and, and work on people, and, you know, teach them the things that I had discovered, and how to, uh, work on their own anxiety, and depression, and stress, and things like that. It just so happened that the people who were open to that were pretty much everyone except people who would call themselves Christians, at least the leadership, the leadership of churches and Christianity, um, had a difficult time with me, thinking I was new age. I would sit down at the kitchen table with the pastor, preacher, elder, board member, whatever, with um, an open Bible and a yellow pad, and we would say, we would usually take an hour to two hours, say, okay, let's see what Scripture says that is relevant to energy psychology and energy medicine and what it says maybe against it that would make it something bad or even a sin to do, okay? Uh, I bet I've done that at least 100 times in 21 years and knock on wood to date, I've never done that where a single preacher, board member, elder, whoever it was, at the end of that did not say, okay, Alex, I'm now completely fine with your energy psychology and energy medicine. I think it's fine, yeah. In fact, will you help me with my gallbladder? Or will you help my wife with her um, allergies or something? But then they would typically also say, But you know, I just don't think my church is ready for you yet. I think it might cause confusion and some uh, anxiety. So I love what you do. I'd love to work with you. Uh, But it's probably going to be a few years before my church that would be a a good fit, Okay? And I've heard that (laughs) so many times. Now, a few churches have let me come lecture and teach, and preach, and do workshops on the weekend, and stuff like that. And as of today, knock on wood, every one of them have invited me back and given me an endorsement, uh, etc. Okay? But when I had to go outside of the church in order to practice and do to help people what I believe God had given me to help people, I had to have a strategy to do that. And my strategy through a lot of prayer was I'm gonna speak the truth in love, but I'm gonna do my best not to offend anyone. So I'm gonna talk about science, I'm gonna talk about biology, I'm gonna talk about physics, I'm gonna talk about love, joy, peace, I'm going to talk about anxiety and stress, I'm going to talk about um, how um, illness and disease develop, uh, how our non-physical controls and affects our physical, I mean, all that kind of stuff, okay? And that's what I've done for 20 and a half years now, since I started, uh, since I uh, locked the door on my private practice, started uh, what I call the Healing Codes energy psychology and energy medicine out of my basement with uh, very little money, no advertising until about a year and a half ago. Uh, and, and so it was pretty much all word of mouth. And through that, over 20 years, uh, we developed clients in 50 states, 181 countries. Um, I'm a New York Times bestselling author. My books have been a number one bestseller in seven countries, a top 10 bestseller, in 22 others. I mean, I never would have imagined any of that. I mean, I would have laughed if you had told me any of that. Why? I was last in my high school class. I'm dyslexic, ADD, ADHD, probably a number of other things, too. Um, I've never met anyone who thinks like I think, and I'm not at all saying the way I think is better. It's just different. It's very often not better. It causes me to have to jump through a bunch of hoops that I think a lot of people don't have to jump through just because my mind works in different weird ways. Um, So that was my thing, to teach in a way that would offend no one. Uh, Now, Did I ever deny being a Christian? No, it was usually the first thing I told people. Except not a Christian, I would say I'm a follower of Jesus, okay? Because Christian, that word Christian can mean so many different things, and a bunch of them are negative. So, I'm a disciple, I'm a follower of Jesus. uh, It's just that simple. But, He is the most important thing in my life, my Lord, Savior, Bridegroom, High Priest, etc. Everything, okay? Um, But when I started New Jesus, I'd been feeling um, uh, called to something for about 12 years, but didn't know what it was, and God kept saying, I I felt, it's not time yet, it's not time yet, it's not time yet, okay? And then um, about, oh, 10 months ago, I guess, uh, it was time. And so we started doing, I started doing New Jesus, and I really didn't know how it was going to go. I don't know who it's for. I still don't know who it's for. It may be 100% just for me and not intended to affect anyone else. And if if that's the case, that's absolutely fine. Okay? Um, But I don't know. I I didn't know what it was for. I, I just knew I was supposed to do it, and I didn't know necessarily a goal of where we were gonna end up or anything like that. Uh, I do consider it church. Now, not the only church, of course. And maybe not a church as we normally think of a church, like going to a building, but I do think of it as part of church. We don't go to church, we are the church, right? Yeah. Um, And I believe that church is like green eggs and ham. That scripturally and biblically, we can do it on a plane, in a train, in a tree, on a boat, at night, at day. it's, It's pretty much up to us. How do you want to do church? It's up to you. Now there's guidelines, and we've talked about those, and you want to stay in the guidelines, right? But remember, one of my favorite preachers of all time when confronted with that question is, how exactly are we supposed to do church? And he was a professor at a major Christian university. His conclusion was, God tells us a number of things to do and not do, but he tells us how, when, and where to do those things. Almost never. What would that mean? It means it's up to us. It means new wineskins like the new wineskins passage that you maybe don't use the same way the same um, tack in 2021 that you would use in the 1500s or even the 1900s okay different conditions people think differently different personalities media has greatly affected everything uh covid has been a huge deal that we're you know, maybe two-thirds of the way out of, but not out of yet, okay? So, anyway, um, when I started New Jesus, I was a little bit afraid, I I guess I'd have to say, uh, about a couple of things. Uh, Number one, Scripture says, don't necessarily desire or pursue being a teacher, because if you are... You're going to be judged at a higher level, and that scared me a little bit because I'm such a screw up. Um, excuse my language, but again, I, I believe I've been given the marching orders starting today to not hold back anymore. Okay, so I'm going to start cush, cursing like crazy. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. Not hold. Not. Not. I've not been holding back in that way, but. We may address some of those things, but but anyway, anyway, when I started new Jesus, I was a little concerned about that. I was a little concerned about um, going too far. I was a little concerned because I, I that's my personality, okay. I am a rush in and think about the consequences later kind of person, okay. Um, but anyway. I've talked to a number of people who have known me for decades, who I'm very, very, the the closest people to me in the world. And they have pretty much all told me, quit holding back, go for it. Now, that doesn't mean me going for it going to be any great thing that, you know, anybody's going to want to hear. But it is significant to me. Okay, because I'm the one that has been holding back. All right, and so um, I'm going to do my best, and I've been praying my head off, including a couple minutes ago, right before this started. You know, Father, please help help me not to go too far, not to stop too short, not to overreach. Please lead and guide me and let me speak your truth and love with the tone of voice you would have me do it, with the volume level you'd have me do it, with the body language you would have me do it, let me use whatever scriptures you would have me use, whatever science, etc., but please let me do this in a way that's pleasing to you. My Father, Jesus. So that's what I'm going to try to do. The one thing I know for sure is I'll not be able to do it 100% right, because I never am able to do things 100% right. So please don't believe anything just because I say it. Maybe especially from today on out. We'll see uh, how that goes. Okay, so I wanted to get that out of the way. So today, I'm going to try to let loose. Now, I don't know what that means. I have no idea what's going to come out in a few minutes. Um, I've made some notes. I've done some study. But yeah, I have no idea, basically, what's going to come out. I've got some slides, but as far as what I say about them, I've just been... Praying my head off, reading scripture, etc. We'll see what comes out. Okay, a little review from last week. We talked about um, we talked about three major things about us and God. Number one, God's characteristics. What is the character of God Himself? Number two. What are the names of God? This is so much God that it becomes his name. You know that's how it worked in America and around the world, right? Uh, A a guy who was um, a potter might be named John Potter. And and I think it started with slavery, but not exclusively that. Okay? Uh, So... The blacksmith was named John Black, all right? And, and, and that's kind of how it went. What you did sort of became your identity to the point of you took on that name. Well, we number one was God's characteristics. Number two, these are the things that are so much God, they're his names. Only one name won't do it for God. One name's plenty for me. Uh, five, if you're a royal or something in England, God has many names because there are so many things about his character that are immutable, unchangeable. They have always been that way. They always will. You can take it to the bank in a way that you can't with any human being or probably even any entity outside of uh, Jesus and the Holy Spirit. We know angels are, are corruptible based on what happened Uh, in the beginning, all right? So, except for God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, all of us are vulnerable. So, the names of God, these are things about him, always have been, always will be, cannot, will not be changed. But that is only true of God, no one else. Even people who are named John Black make mistakes when they were doing the blacksmithing. Even the guy named Potter didn't make a perfect pot every time, right? Well, it's not true of God. The things that are God's names, he's perfect. Okay? And then the third one is who I am. Who, based 100% from Scripture, does this revelation say that I am? Okay? And we looked at all three of those last week. Now, the interesting thing to me is we've been talking for months about you need to go on a journey. You need to go on a spiritual pilgrimage, not to Mecca, and it's not necessarily even one you take with your feet and legs. Uh, It it can largely be an inward journey. You may need to do a little uh, scripture reading. You may need to pray a lot. You may need to consult some people, that our scholars are smarter than you, you may you know a lot of stuff like that, um, but in the end, I believe that these three things we covered last week—God's character, the names of God, and who Scripture says you are—those things define your meaning and purpose. And that's the journey. You've got to find your meaning and purpose. You've got to find out who you are and who you're not. What's your worldview? Is there a God or not? If there is a God, which God? All right? If there is a God and it's this God, then who is he? What am I to him? What is my relationship like? How do I get along with him or not? Or if he's a bad God or something? of course that's not true with our god yahweh he's perfect the perfect father right but anyway we've been talking about you've got to go on that journey or you can't own your belief there's no belief grandkids you have to have your own belief you've looked at it for yourself you've reasoned it for yourself You've looked here for yourself. You've looked at other, maybe even religious texts for yourself. You've seen what scholars have said for yourself. You give it time and are patient and pray and wait on the Lord for who you are, for your meaning, your purpose, the greatest truth, the greatest lie, and how to fix your biggest problem. I believe all of those big questions of your discovery uh, journey for your life can be answered with the character of God, the names of God, and who you are declared to be in Christ once you accept Him as Lord and Savior. Okay? So if you missed that last week, I think it's fairly important and we also talked about life a life b versus love a love b and which one are you doing and and uh, uh an interesting thing i went through the characters of god that we did last week and the names of god that we did last week all right which was complete i went through all of scripture to find complete list of all those things And this is interesting to me. It may not be to you. There's seven things that it says God is. Okay? If you said Alex is an idiot, you would be right. (laughs) Okay? But you wouldn't be right if you said God's an idiot. God's not. If you said about my wife Hope, that Hope's an idiot. You would be wrong, okay? So whatever comes after that, God is, or Alex is, or your name, and then is, that is really important because that's your identity. You cannot have your best, happiest, healthiest, most successful, um, most peaceful, less stressed life without living your true identity, but without discovering it and living that way, okay? What what if Moses, when God called him, had decided, oh man, that is not for me. In fact, he did. He said, who's going to listen to me? I can't speak well, all right? But that's exactly who God wanted. What about Peter, man? He put his foot in his mouth more than anybody you've ever seen. I mean, he was always saying stupid things and, and and things that got him in trouble. Jesus was asking, who do men say that I am? Peter, blurted out, of course, they say you're the Son of God. You are Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, yes, that is right, but that didn't come from you. That came from my Father. And then, like, 30 seconds later, as you read it in the conversation, Jesus says he's going to have to die, you know, where he said in three days, etc., that he has to die. And Peter says, no, we're not going to let you die. And Jesus immediately turns to Peter again. All of this could have happened in, like, 60 seconds. He turns to Peter again and says, get away from me. Satan, get away from me. And and his indication is, in both cases, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus' interpretation is, that did not come from you. Number two, Peter, no, 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 no. No way we're going to let you die. Jesus' interpretation, that did not come from you. Except, And they didn't come from the same place. The first one from God or the Holy Spirit. The second one from Satan or demons. All in 60 seconds. Okay? So, God never goes against his identity. He never goes against his character or his names. We do. Okay? Now, hopefully, we do less and less over time, but the one thing I promise you is if you don't find and live your true identity, you will not come close to having your best possible life. In fact, probably during your life, you're gonna feel like you're settling, that there's another place that you just can't seem to get to, Or at the end of your life, looking back, when you don't have much time left, you're likely to be crushed with regret and guilt and shame because typically at the end of your life, people do realize their true identity. I think it's a God thing that just happens at the end. We're told that um, um, the father of evolution, Darwin, um, spoke at length to a Christian lady, and that's an official term, lords and ladies in England, this was a lady that he was very close to, had known all his life, and it's in the history books that right before his death they had a very long conversation, and she was trying to share Jesus with him, and she recorded... That he accepted Jesus as his Lord and Savior. Now, other people who are around uh, say, "No, that never happened." But we know they weren't in the room. Okay, she was the only, she was alone with him in the room. All right, so they may be right that it didn't happen. But from what I've read historically, they can't prove that because they weren't in the room. She was. Well, what's the point? I've counseled so many people at the end of their life that were multi-multi-millionaires, very famous, iconic sports people, um, you name it. And at the end of their life, they tend, I'm not going to say 100% of the time, but they tend to understand what is really important now and what's not, and come much closer to believing their true identity. And then and then it becomes a comparison. Okay, I, I think I understand now more who I really am and my identity, but I've got to compare that with how I live my life. So, did I live my life in harmony with my identity? Well, that rarely happens if you don't know what your identity is. Okay? And I believe your identity, your worth, your meaning, your purpose, this journey, this pilgrimage, can all be inside of God's character, God's names, and His promises toward you and who you are as His child. Okay, hope that made sense. Now, among God's characteristics and and names... There are seven things that it says God is. This is his identity, okay? Here they are. God is light. God is love. We've talked about how those are two sides of a coin. Love is the non-physical. Light is the physical, okay? Uh, and by the way, light is energy, energy, energy is light okay god is light god is love god is peace god is there and is the one who sees because he's there what everything everywhere so god is light god is love god is peace god is there and sees everything Number five, God is power, all power. Number six, God is knowledge, all knowledge, all truth. And lastly, God is righteous. So, who am I? What is my identity? In Jesus. What is my meaning and purpose? To be one with God. And that means complete rather than lacking. The uh, number seven is very important in Scripture. Appears over 700 times. Okay? Um, oh yeah also last week we talked about the urgent versus the important and then number three pain pleasure and typically how it works is we want to live in pain pleasure but then if an urgent thing happens we go out of pain pleasure to fix the urgent to put that fire out and then we go back to seek pleasure and avoid pain And that's where we want to live, in independence, to do what I want, when I want, most pleasure, least pain. Okay? However, if a life catastrophe, a life-changing event, one of those 20 major traumas in everyone's life, if one of those occurs, then we tend to go to a different place that would be called important. There's urgent, important, and then number three, pain, pleasure. Important is like my relationship with hope, my relationship with God and Jesus, um, trying to make a difference in the world, um, etc. Okay? But we tend to answer, that's what's most important, but live as if seek pleasure, avoid pain is what's most important. Okay? So, how are you on that? The things, if someone asks you, what is most important in your life, okay, what would you write down? Maybe write that down right now or, or make a note in your mind, all right? And then the second question, is that the way you're living? Is that what you're focused on most of the time? Is that what gets you either um, uh, happy or sad or loving or fearful? Okay, is is it the important that does that? Or is it if you get more pain than you want or less pleasure than you want? Okay, for for the great majority of people, and this was true for me too, and Hope, uh, first several decades of our life, most of us will answer that the number two important is what's most important in our life, But in practicality, we're living as if seek pleasure avoid pain was the most important in our life. And that's how we evaluate it. Like at the end of the day. Lots of pleasure, not much pain, that's good. Good day. Unless uh, unless we determine the pleasure was, was a sinful pleasure, all right? But if it wasn't, hey, that's a good day. More pleasure, less pain. More pain, less pleasure, not so good a day. But what if we have a lot of pain but the pain is because we're interacting in a very important, loving relationship and we're having to work through some problems that are really hard to work through. That's one of the most painful things you can ever go through in life. It's so painful. But it's also most important. So if you're really going to live the important. Yeah, you can have an ice cream cone every once in a while. Sex is wonderful as long as it's healthy sex. Go out for a great meal every once in a while. Take a nap every once in a while. Treat yourself every once in a while. Do the stuff you need to do day in, day out, okay? That's your work or responsibilities at home or to your family or whatever. But make sure... You're living the important rather than seek pleasure, avoid pain, and the urgent. Um, okay, and I think that is all for that one. <clears throat> okay, um, we're uh, I'm going to review a second, and then we're going to go into today's teaching, but. In in light of this not holding back anymore, let me just, uh, let me put my spill away. I just want to say this as far as my two cents and what's in my heart. If what you want in life is your best possible life. I believe right relationship with God and Jesus is the only way you can have it, period. Okay? If you want to make a difference, I believe being right with God and Jesus is the only way you can make maximum positive difference in your life. You're going to have lots of problems and dilemmas. I believe the only way you can solve the problem correctly and the dilemma and make the right decision right with God and Jesus. Now you may accidentally make right choices or you may just be gifted by God in a certain area like finances and make millions of dollars and become very wealthy but wealthy and feeling like something's missing instead of wealthy and in love, joy, and peace. Okay? So, if you want that happy, God's way, meaning you're happy no matter what happens, instead of happy, sad, happy, sad, happy, sad, and and I would call that joy, maybe, rather than happiness. God calls it blessed in Scripture rather than happiness, and we'll take a look at that in a minute. But I believe the only way you can have that is right with God, right with Jesus. To know your identity, to know who you are, to know who God is, accept that, voluntarily choose that, focus in the present in love, giving up the end results to God, etc., and let the chips fall where they may. I believe that is the only way to your best possible life. Well Alex, what about all the rules? What about all the, you know, you got to go to the church, you got to go to this church with this name on it, Uh, the church you go to has to do this and this and this and this and this and not do this and this and this and this and this. You have to go to church three times if you're in this church to be legal. You have to go two times if you're in this church to be legal. You have to go once if you're in this church to be legal. You have to go every day if you're in this church to be legal, well, which of those is right? Well, maybe my one of my favorite preachers was correct, that it's largely up to us, because God doesn't tell us the how, when, where, why. Which brings us back to basically, and I don't mean to say this in a um, sacrilegious or blasphemous way, at all but it kind of brings us back to cat in the hat church on a plane on a train in the air on a boat night day morning middle of the night building outside or outside building or in a mall building or in some public place that's open to everyone a farm that somebody owns, a pavilion in the park, in a fishing boat with my buddy fishing, maybe even you and me here and now. Okay? I believe what works best and is most meaningful for you within the guidelines of Scripture, which is do this don't do that but it's up to you how when where why okay so as long as you are following the guidelines which is basically prior, which is basically these things number 1 you're right with Jesus it's all about love intent only for good do your absolute best no matter what and invest in relationships above everything else, okay? That is God's plan, I believe, as best I can tell, okay? So if you want your best life, I believe these and a number of others are the guidelines, but how you do it, when you do it, where you do it, new wineskins. New Pray about it. Search scripture to see for sure. Talk to a scholar. Google some. And then, then after all that, all right, what would work best for me? What would be most meaningful for me? What what is God calling me to do in my relationship to him as far as worship and church? Which may be very different from what the preacher over here has in mind. The scriptures say that in order to be saved, in order to go to heaven instead of hell, that I have to go to church three times a week. I can't if I'm in a building where they play an instrument. I'm sinning. If I uh, uh, go swimming where women are present, it's a mortal sin. If I hum instead of sing, it's a sin. If I miss a church service, it's a hey. Almost all those things didn't come from here. They came from men. And very often men concerned with power, control, and money. And that's not just the Roman Catholic Church. And by the way, I'm not against the Roman Catholic Church okay? I've said a lot of negative things about that, I know, and I hope they're true, okay? The Inquisition and how it started and how they determined what to do and how to do, how they affected the actual uh, putting together of Scripture. I mean, all that stuff, okay? I'm not saying the way the Catholic Church does it today, where they don't have the Inquisition anymore, Okay, and a lot of those other things they've changed too. I'm not saying that's wrong. In fact, my mentor Larry Napier told me one time about that very thing when he was discipling a, a person who called himself a Catholic. And he said, for me, if the person who calls himself a Catholic can say and mean it, Jesus is my Lord and Savior, Then Larry said, to me, they're a believer. I mean, that's the test. John said, you will know them by their love. And And God is love. That's one of those characters and names of God and one of the seven things that he is, not just does. God is love. Okay, so... That's the guideline. In fact, Jesus, when we asked that question, went even further to even more clarify that. And he said, and the second one is like it, love God, love others. And then he even went further again and said, against such, there is no law. The whole law is summed up in love, not in the right building, the right name, the right pews, the right, a little wafer for the Lord's Supper and little bitty tiny thing of grape juice instead of a meal, etc. Okay? Those things, a lot of them did not come from here. But I'm not saying doing it that way today is wrong. I don't think it is. I think that's up to us, too. So, if if you can say, Jesus is my Lord and Savior, and mean it in your heart, okay, and trying to live in love, we'll never. none of us will ever do it right, then I believe you're fine. Yeah, you can still keep going to that building that says you've got to come this many times, and we're going to do the little wafer and juice instead of a meal, and we're going to... I believe you can do that, and and, and it's okay for you to do that. It's not sinful for you to do that. But I also believe from Scripture you can do it many, 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 almost unlimited number of ways that work for you or for a person in Africa or in Russia or... Wherever. It's all about the heart. God judges the intention of the heart. Okay? All right. I want to talk about the number nine a little bit. In Scripture, uh, the number nine is significant 49 times. It basically means complete and final. Now, that's interesting to me because. Um, The, uh, the, the, uh, number seven means complete and perfect. So number nine means complete and final. It's done. It's, 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 it's done. You can ship it out. Okay. Seven means it's complete and perfect. Okay. Uh, Jesus died at the ninth hour. The day of atonement, Yom Kippur, sunset of the ninth day of the seventh Hebrew month. And the fruits and the Beatitudes, both, two of the most popular things, most quoted things in all of scripture, both nines. Let's take a look. Our postulate this week, we're not blessed when we perform well. Isn't that when you feel like you're best? When you perform well, whether it's taking food to the sick or uh, doing something for your wife or doing a great project at work or uh, writing a best-selling book that you make a lot of money from or whatever, isn't that when you feel good about yourself? When you perform well? Well, we're not blessed when we perform well as much as we are blessed when we enter into relationship, right, right loving relationship with God, with Jesus, with the Holy Spirit, with others. And sometimes, almost as important as God and Jesus with ourselves. Because sometimes if we don't clear up some junk about ourselves, it's hard for us ever to really be intimate with God and Jesus. You've heard about uh, women, especially, who've been raped, who have great difficulty later in life having intimacy, or they have very unhealthy intimacy just constantly. Okay? Well, this is a similar thing. If I've been hurt, it's very difficult for me to trust that person that hurt me, or even trust in that area again. Okay? So if I've got too much negative junk about me that I believe, which is probably not true, because remember, one of those lists is who I am from last week in Jesus. Alright? And bad ain't one of them. Okay? That's what Satan wants me to believe. But if my relationships are right, God, Jesus, Holy Spirit, Others, myself. That's when I'm blessed, and and in scripture, the other word for blessed, kind of a synonym, happy. Just about every study, every poll that's ever been done on what people want most, other other than if they have a terminal or very cry, uh, a, a, a painful chronic illness or disease outside of that or being in financial devastation by far the number one answer over about the last hundred years of what people want most is to be happy well god calls that blessed what's the difference the world's happy if something good happens i feel happy something bad happens i feel unhappy and bad god's blessed god's blessed rather than happy is to feel a joy no matter what my circumstances. Because I'm standing on the solid rock. I've got the golden ticket. I'm already saved. I know who God is. I know who I am. Defined by who God is and and how and who He made me to be. Alright? That, God says, is blessed, the happiest, if you will, you're ever going to be and your best life possible. Which will not be like anyone else's life. Yours is completely unique. Okay, so um, this is all how we work and we've, we've talked about all that and I've, I've, I did the extra thing about, um, I'm, not go- I'm gonna let it go this week, so I'm not gonna review these. So let's move on for the sake of time. All right. Let's start with the Beatitudes, Matthew 5, 9. Blessed are the, yeah, you, a lot of you can quote these. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit. Blessed are they who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the clean in heart, pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, they'll be called the children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of God. And number nine, blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets before you. All right, so is this important? Well, it's only important if you want to be part of the kingdom, and that means the good kingdom, the kingdom that wins, the kingdom is about that is about beauty and love and joy and peace and togetherness and you know, all that stuff. So it's only important if you want that. All right? Um Blessed are they who mourn. They will be comforted. You want to be comforted? And not just by somebody putting a hand on your shoulder and saying, oh, I'm so sorry, and then they leave and go watch TV. Would you rather have Almighty God comfort you physically, non-physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, relationally, miraculously? Blessed are the meek, for well, they will inherit... Um, You'll be satisfied. How many of you are unsatisfied with your life? If someone asks you that question, are you satisfied with your life? Well, most of my clients, when I say that, when I ask them that, they'll pause and think, and then they'll usually say, "Mm, Yeah, I think so. (laughs) But you can tell the way they're saying it. So then I ask them, Are you really? Okay, well, well, describe that kind of satisfaction to me. Well, well, then what they usually say is, well, I don't know that I'd use the word satisfied. That's probably not the right word. I'm, I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. All right. Well, is there something where you'd be more okay? Yeah, there is. And they start naming it. Okay. So are you satisfied Or unsatisfied, would you like to start being satisfied? I believe you can. Do you want to be shown mercy? Of course you do. Do you want to see God? Oh man, yeah, big time. That's been one of the biggest things of my life, all right? I believe a lot of times we can't see God, even metaphorically, because we got so much junk in our heart. We've got so many lies and so many untruths and, and, and we're so into seek pleasure and avoid pain and all that kind of stuff that we really lose our vision, we, uh, our spiritual vision, in order to see what is really important and what, what really matters and what really brings us that best possible life. Um, you'll be called children of God. You, you want to be called that? It's a Pretty nice thing to be called. Uh, if you're persecuted, yours will be the kingdom of God. And when people insult you, great is your reward. This is an interesting one to me. Um, rejoice and be glad because great is your reward. The reason that's interesting to me is God is maybe one of the Biggest understaters of of any being I've ever seen. You want an example? Good news. The gospel is called good news. Well, what's the gospel? The gospel is that I'm toast, I'm fried. I'm done. I'm, I'm bad. I'm guilty. I am uh, deserve hell. I'm... That's the truth. Okay? All that's the truth. But before the foundations of the world, before any of this was ever started, the Garden of Eden or anything, God knew me. Wanted loving relationship with me to the point that he was willing to go through the most catastrophic pain I believe he could ever go through watching what happened to his only son Jesus and having the power to stop it all and wipe us out, but out of his love for us, let his son go through that. I would never do that for you with Harry or George I bet you wouldn't do that for me with one of your children. Let your children die for me or mine for you. That's exactly what God did and purchased 100% real justice and 100% real grace. So that my sin is put as the east is from the west, remembered no more, as if I've never committed a sin in my life. I am the righteousness of Christ, pure, innocent, holy, as if I've never committed a sin in my life. <laughs> and God calls that good news. <laughs> if you won a hundred million dollars today in the lottery, would you call your spouse or partner or son or friend or sibling or whatever, and say, hey, I had an interesting thing happen today. I've got some good news. And they say, ah, terrific. What? I want a hundred million dollars (laughs) today. How would they respond? What? What did you say? I want a hundred million dollars today. Back to them, you have got to be kidding me! This is unbelievable. This is this is this is world changing. Have you told so and so? Have you told so and so? Have you told so and so? Are you going to buy a new house? Have you already quit your job? What are you going to buy? Where are you going to travel? Uh, what clothes? What jewelry? Why, I mean, woohoo! This is incredible news. This is. Life-changing now. I can have life as an independent power source. I've got enough money to pay to keep the pain away, at least about as well as we can do on this human earth. And I've got enough money to bring the pleasure and keep it coming, baby. And to pay for everything I need so that I can sit in my recliner every day, watch my big screen TV, drink my drink, dressed in great clothes in a huge house where, and, and walk around like I really am somebody. I mean, that's what would happen, something or something similar to that. That's not, we don't call that good news. We call that once in a lifetime news. Miracle news. Unbelievable news. God called it good news. But he called this great. What is it again? When people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you falsely, rejoice and be glad. Why? Great. Not good like the gospel. Great. Is your reward well goodness gracious if grace and the death and resurrection and sacrifice of Jesus and the thousands of years of Abraham and Moses and then Jesus and then the Apostles and then you know Christians and believers since then and 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 all of that all right God calls this great, which is one of the most painful things that could ever happen to you or to me. When people insult us, persecute us, falsely say all kinds of evil, great will be your reward. But I believe that, this, that it only applies, great is your reward, if when people do this, you treat them and you treat the situation with love and joy and peace rather than punishment, vengeance, anger, anxiety, etc. So if you handle the insults, persecution, the false said against you God's way, in love, then great is your reward. Not just good, great. And I think one reason it's great is because it's in heaven where everything is perfect no pain, no night, no tears. Okay. So. The Beatitudes, nine things where God says happy. Remember, scripturally, blessed is a synonym for happy. Happy are the poor in spirit. Happy are when you mourn. Happy when you're me. Happy are when you're hungry and thirsty. Happy when people insult you, etc. How could you ever be happy about any of this? Because of the relationship with God who has all the power remember the seven things he is light, love, peace he is there and sees everything is power knowledge and righteousness so when this happens when these happen God has the power to make it a positive thing for me I receive the kingdom, I'm comforted, I inherit, I'm satisfied, I receive mercy, I see God, I'm called a child of God, I've got my ticket to heaven, and I've got a great reward. If I deal with it God's way. So that's how I can be happy. Is that how the world tries to be happy? No. Not for the most part. For the most part, the world's definition of happiness is seek pleasure, avoid pain. If people ask you a question, say love, joy, peace, relationships. But then in practicality, I'm focused on getting more pleasure and less pain. Not so much on the relationships and love, joy, peace. Okay, let's move on. Now, let's go to the fruits of the Spirit. So, the last one nine, the nine blessed or happy that are the most famous sermon ever given by Jesus, Sermon on the Mount. Okay, this one is by Paul in Galatians and called the fruit of the Spirit. What's a fruit? A fruit is success. Okay, um. You have a, uh, my grandmother uh, in Bridgeport, um, Alabama, right next to Tennessee. We would go visit her. She had this great big pear tree in her front yard. And um, except for a couple of pears I've had at Harry and David, they were the best pears I've ever had. They were just fabulous every single year. And everyone in town knew it. And it became almost like a commodity. You know, can I get one pear this year? Can I get two pears this year? Uh, my grandmother, when she was really old and was getting a little bit of Alzheimer's or something like that, where she was losing her mind a little bit, it was sad, but it was also kind of funny. Um, one year the pears grew, and she's not right in the head, and and she started picking the pears and hiding them, and she hid them in the oven and the dishwasher. Uh, so that no one could get any, protecting her pears. Okay, now she wasn't in her in her right mind, but those were fabulous pears. I mean, that's well, that's success. And so the fruits of the spirit means success in particular areas of your life versus failure. If her, if that pear tree grew all shriveled up, dry. No taste like cardboard pears, and all of you have tasted one of those, or at least some fruit that, you know, you're anticipating that wonderful taste of it, and it's a bad one. Yeah, throw that away. That's awful, okay? Well, these are the positives. These are the nine things that are basically God's success for your life. But for every one of them, Satan has a failure to correspond, okay? So, let's go through this real quick. The fruit of the Spirit is love expressing itself. That's what I'm told by scholars it actually means. Expressing itself as joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, trust, humility, self-control. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited provoking and envying each other. Again, highlighting relationships are what is most important. And conceit and provoking, envying others, all of that has to do with relationship. So it's it's saying, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit, prioritizing relationships above everything else. Okay. And we've, we've been over these quite a bit, so I'm not going to spend as much time there. Now, I'm going to go to the next slide that is a correlation of the nine Beatitudes by Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount and the nine fruits of the Spirit. Now, I need to emphasize, this is not a correlation God makes in Scripture anywhere. Okay? This this correlation is by me and me alone, all right? And, And so I'm not saying God agrees with this next slide that I'm about to show you. It's my opinion, all right? And it's not any big, huge revelation. It's just that I think these truths of God, the ones that Jesus spoke in Matthew 5, and the ones that Paul speaks in Galatians 5, are in harmony with each other and i believe they are and that's all i'm and that's all i'm trying to say so let's go to the correlation <sighs> number 1 pure in heart is the area of love versus selfishness and from that depending on which one we choose love or selfishness and by the way sometimes people don't feel like they've chosen it they feel like somehow They just sort of slid into it gradually, like that frog in the kettle thing, and years or sometimes even decades down the road, they don't know themselves. How did I get here? Okay? So I'm not saying it's necessarily a, all right, I have this choice and this choice, I've logiced it, I've researched it, I'm making this choice. No, 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 it's not usually like that, okay? Um... We just end up going that way for some reason. Now, maybe one time or two times in ten, it would be a definitive choice like that, but not the other time. So, pure in heart is maybe the most important of all, okay? It's love, selfishness. We either see God or we're spiritually blind. So are you spiritually blind? Okay. Do you have great difficulty discerning the spiritual truth from Scripture or translating what Scripture says to a real-life situation that's happening right now? Are you able to do that? Or does that sort of escape you and your mind and heart really just don't work that way? Well, if that's the case, it's probably because they're so gunked up with untruths and pain okay so are you spiritually blind or do you feel like you have a right close relationship with God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit number two poor in spirit this is the air of joy versus sadness and the fruit or end result is to receive the kingdom but if you're in, if if you're in the, if you're not doing it God's way, if you're doing poor in spirit, in a human way instead of God's way, meaning trusting Him even in the pain, then you see God. If in that pain you let go of God's hand, and start working the ple the 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 pleasure pain to try to get the sadness to joy by doing something happy or distracting yourself from the pain then you're going to end up in isolation you're going to end up either being alone or being not alone but you feel alone even in a crowd okay number three happy blessed god's way are those who mourn the area of peace Versus anxiety. And this is the one that says you will be comforted. But if you're not mourning God's way, you get perpetual anxiety, which I believe is where a lot of people are living today. In perpetual anxiety and stress. We're, we're more stressed, according to Time magazine, than we have ever been in history, and it's not just the U.S., it's everybody. And psychology today says the antidote to that is love, and that love is, according to psychology today, what really matters. Well, guess what other publication says love is what really matters? Uh, This one. And this one said it first, which you already know. Okay, so do you have a great deal of anxiety? Well, you're probably going through a mourning kind of situation, but you're doing it in anxiety. You're doing it the human way instead of God's way, trusting him and and looking for his solutions rather than seek pleasure, avoid pain solutions, and independence. Number four, persecuted. This is another one that's isolation. Okay? Um, If you are persecuted and deal with it in anger, you end up with isolation. Again, either everyone leaves you because they don't want to be around you, you're It's not that you're no fun, it's that you're a downer, okay? Um, But if you go through this, God's way, you receive the kingdom, which is the opposite of isolation. It is you belong. You are even connected by an invisible umbilical cord, and, and that's physics, and I can show you those studies. I believe to all believers and maybe even the saints in heaven themselves. My mom and dad. And I believe that's part of the kingdom. Okay? Um, Number five. Merciful or unmerciful. If you're unmerciful, guilt and shame. And there's no way to avoid it unless you're a sociopath. And if you're a sociopath, it doesn't matter. That you don't feel guilt and shame you're going to self-destruct anyway all right you're certainly not happy if you're unmerciful guilt and shame and a sociopath so this is all about kindness versus rejection kindness is the easiest thing you can do with the biggest impact and rejection i've never met a person who didn't have a rejection issue and usually a lot of them It's one of our biggest deals is rejection versus acceptance. That's one of those wonderful things of God uh, is that we are 100% accepted by God just as we are, just as I am without one plea. He paid my price for everything and yours. Right? So if I... Dealing in kindness, I receive mercy and I feel that. Okay? Well, that's why I'm happier. That's why I'm blessed because I feel the mercy. I feel the presence of the kingdom. I feel comforted. Um, I feel love. I, I, you know, not all the time, but enough and more and more all the time usually. Number six, righteousness. This is uh, either filled with the righteousness of Christ, Jesus and I are one, the mystery of the ages, we are the righteousness of Christ. Uh, God is righteous, all right, and we're we're one with Jesus, the mystery of the ages. So if you're if that righteousness is met with kindness on your part um, to other people and yourself I'm sorry we, we were down in righteousness if, if you this is not necessarily this goodness talking about just good works it's also maybe even more talking about goodness in your heart out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Faith without works is dead faith. Alright? It's all about the heart. Alright? So, if you have goodness in your heart and you're choosing God and love and and righteousness and goodness, you'll be filled with righteousness. And you'll feel it. What does that feel like? Feels like being saved. And you've already won. And so there's Nothing to prevent you from just living a free, full life, okay? Uh, If, instead, you go to the bad or the not measure up, okay, and you're choosing sin over and over and over and over and over and over and over, all right, you could not choose it, but you are choosing it, all right, and that's where you're committed to your addiction, or habit, or pleasure, or keeping the pain away, or whatever, then you're going to be filled with sin. Or, what Paul called from Romans 7, sin living in me, which he says was, when I I do what I don't want to do, don't do what I do want to do, and I do it over and over and over, it's sin living in me. Okay? Okay? And that comes from the fruit of the Spirit. I don't measure up. I'm bad instead of I'm good, not because of my own. It's the righteousness of Christ that's been given to me. Number seven, uh, the peacemakers. This is about trust and unhealthy control. Okay? Can you give up the end result to God? and really let it go? Or can you not? That's usually with my clients where the rubber meets the road. Are they willing to give up the end result to God, or are they not? They can't give up that end result. They're so afraid that if X end result happens instead of Y, they are not going to be okay. It's going to be either painful or taking away some pleasure. So I can't let that happen. I'm not going to be okay if that happens. So I have to control that end result. I cannot give it up to God or anyone else in trust or faith because the thing I don't want to happen might be the thing that happens. Okay? Well, um, the only kind of control you can have is unhealthy control. And I'm not talking about you just sit on the couch and eat Twinkies all day. No! I mean, when you're in the right relationship with God, you will most likely work harder than you've ever worked. But it'll feel different. It won't feel real hard. And and at least for most people. And you'll be like, how is this happening? Um, I don't feel like I'm, I never could do this before. And I don't feel like I'm working that much harder. I may even feel like I'm not working as hard, but now I'm getting great results where before. It's the power of God. And that's the way he intended for it to work. You were never intended to control your own end results, to, to be justified by works and judged by works. No, we're made righteous apart from the law, which we talked about two weeks ago. Okay, so the trust and healthy control is you're either a child of God and feel like a child of God, or you're captive to the flesh, and you feel that, and you have habit after habit, addiction after addiction. You keep going after new things, thinking that'll make me happy. You try it and it doesn't etc. All right? So, which of those do you want? You want to be captive or you want to be a child of God and feel like it? All right. Number eight, meek. This is the area of humility versus inferiority. Humility is believing the truth about yourself. Not superior, not inferior. No, neither one. Uh, not inferior or superior. The, the fruits here, the difference is is if you are not humble and meek. In other words, you're either uh, you either live your life in inferiority, which means you're not believing this, or superiority, which means you're not believing this. One of the two, but either one of them is violating this, okay? Then you're not going to feel that inheritance. Maybe you're not saved. That depends on how you're living your life, whether Jesus is your Lord and Savior or not, whether you can say that and mean it, okay? But even if you are still saved, you probably won't feel like it. And over here, you re- I think this is, uh, I did the wrong words here. Um, oh, oh no, no, I'm sorry. Here you have the inheritance versus here you've given it up. If you demand control of end results, I believe you're giving up the inheritance that God wants to freely give you that is probably far better than what you're going to achieve by your own willpower. And maybe you even couldn't achieve it on your own willpower. But you may never know because you refuse to, You've given up your inheritance, like for a bowl of porridge. You know the Jacob and Esau story. Out of either inferiority or superiority, needing to control your circumstances. That one's up there. Um, so, but what we want is a child of God and to have our inheritance and feel it. And then the last one, if we're insulted or persecuted, that's kind of self-control over um that's kind of healthy self-control over unhealthy self-control okay which is related uh here too okay several of these are related to each other okay i just the correlation is the one i thought fit together the best but several of these are correlated so the last one insulted um you either get a great reward or you're really choosing punishment. If you demand control over your life, your present moment, the end results, the pain pleasure, all that stuff, well, as part of that choice, you're choosing also, maybe without knowing it, punishment, pain is God's number one tool for trying to get us back on track. Okay? If we're on track, we don't need pain unless it's to move up to the next level. All right? But I believe you experience much, much more pain when you're living in self-control than when you give up control to God. And when you do that, You can rejoice even in the middle of a bad circumstance or people being really mean to you. How? Because you know I've got a great reward coming that is so much better than this momentary trial and affliction they don't even compare. And Paul talked about that, saying we've been beaten and shipwrecked and You know, all this stuff that's happened to us, we don't have a home, we're outcast, we're chased. we're, you know, whatever. But then he said the secret. The love of Christ compels us. All right. If you are compelled by the love of Christ, you will seek, pure in heart, pure in spirit, To mourn God's way, giving him control. To be persecuted God's way and not fight back. To love your enemies. To be merciful, even if people aren't merciful to you. The righteousness of Christ is going to be a gold nugget. Not a million dollars in retirement. Okay? Um, You're going to want to make peace rather than punish people. Or, or do whatever you need to do in a situation to get the outcome that you want, even if it messes up the piece. All right? You're going to be meek, humble. Not because you're necessarily trying to, but because it's where your heart is. All right? And when you feel that inferiority or or superiority, but choose humility in spite of that, you're now going to receive that inheritance. And the last one, when you're insulted, you know what? It should almost be a joy to be kind to the person who's persecuting you, because you are getting a great reward, which which this says you should be rejoicing about. But remember, you're rejoicing being insulted and persecuted. Well, how can you do that? I believe that's the peace of God that passes understanding. It makes no sense that you should be in peace in that situation. How are you? Because I know I have a great reward. I, I don't think. I know. And it's not maybe. I've already got the golden ticket. I've already got it. Alright? So, God's happiness, the Beatitudes, bless, 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 and God's success, love, joy, peace, etc., I believe, go together and together describe what God is looking for in hard times of our life and what he is looking to intervene in order to rescue us, to teach us, to make it turn out for good, which he promises. All things work together for good to those who love the Lord. So God, in these difficult situations, wants to, has paid for, and is waiting to show you himself to receive the kingdom, to be comforted, to, again, receive the kingdom, to receive mercy, forgiveness, grace, to be filled with the righteousness of Christ, which means I'm innocent as if I've never committed a sin, to feel like and be, that's my identity card, a child of God, an inheritance that is immeasurable, much greater than anything that could ever happen to me here, that great reward. Or am I literally, and I'm going to end here, choosing punishment for myself? by choosing selfishness sadness anxiety anger rejection what is negative or sinful unhealthy control inferiority or superiority well you're you're thinking well wait a minute i didn't choose these they just kind of happened yeah these what ha- th- this is what happens when our goal is seek pleasure and avoid pain this is what happens when our goal is um, the urgent rather than the important. This is what happens when we just never go on that discovery journey and just live our life the way our parents did, or the way that somehow we just seem to have gotten going in that direction. I'm really not even sure how or why I, I, I started going that way, but I am, and now it's hard to change, all right? So you may be thinking, that? Why well, I haven't really chosen this? Yes, you have. How? Because if you're living there, you are not the righteousness of Christ. You're spiritually blind. You're in isolation. You're in perpetual anxiety. You're... Guilt, shame, unforgiveness, sin. Okay? Every bit of this is about one thing. Are you right with God and Jesus? Or are you not? And I believe if you are how you do church when you do church, where you do church, I believe is largely up to you. And what works best, feels right, you prayed about it, you've searched scripture, you've, you've maybe Googled, you've talked to some other people, and mainly in prayer to God and wait Until you feel like God has given, or the Holy Spirit has given you some guidance. That's the Isaiah passage. Wait on the Lord, and you'll exchange your strength for His. You'll walk and not grow weary. Uh, Mount on wings of eagles. Okay? That's if you wait patiently on the Lord until He shows or tells you or nudges you. Sometimes it's just a feeling. Which way to go? All right? If you do that, then I believe you are in an outcome guaranteed situation. And if you somehow, whether you feel like you've chosen it or it's just sort of happened, you're living over here, the way to fix this is not here, it's you and God, you and Jesus, you and the Holy Spirit who lives inside you. And when you fix that, then this stuff tends to take care of itself. But it is nice to look at every once in a while because it's also kind of a diagnostic. You can see, am I? do I feel more like I'm seeing God or like I, no, I, I feel like my prayers don't even get above my head. Do you feel like you're kind of lonely or... Not lonely at all, man. My life is full. I've got relationships to the full and good ones. Right? Do you feel shame and guilt? Or do you feel grace, mercy, forgiveness? Okay? So, it's still good to look at these. But the fix is not to say, Oh, man, I'm feeling perpetual anxiety. I need to mourn more. No, 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 no. That's not the problem. You are mourning in your own strength, your mourning and seek pleasure, avoid pain. You're looking to yourself or your circumstances to solve whatever this is. Well, that's not God's way. God's way is to pray, to let him lead and guide you, to let him give you the power, the thoughts, the feelings, the strength, and do it in you, to you, through you, and for you. Now you may be working harder than you've ever worked in your life, but it's not in your own strength. And you can feel a sense of that. Okay? So the solution is not, oh, let me let me be persecuted more. Or let me have people in. No, 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 no. That, it's not to be manipulated. It'll happen enough on its own. God will make sure of all of that. Alright? Your job is just. To be and stay in right, loving relationship. God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit. And if you do, it's good to understand these things, but by and large, they'll take care of themselves. But you can use it right now, this minute, to kind of see where are you, okay? And if you're over here with the spiritually blind, isolated, anxiety, you know, all that stuff, I guarantee you you're not happy, which is the fruits of the, the Beatitudes thing. Blessed, happy. Happy, blessed. All right? Well, if you're not right with God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and yourself as God's creation and child, you're not, you're not happy. You're not what God would call blessed. And when things are good, you're going to be happy for a little bit. But by and large, you're going to feel like something's missing or there's a place you just can't get to. Get right with God, Jesus, Holy Spirit. And these start to um, happen on their own. Powered by, um, I believe, the Holy Spirit of the Spirit directly from the Holy Spirit all right so I hope that makes sense Um, again this is not a correlation from Scripture it's just something that occurred to me that I thought might be helpful as far as taking a look at your life and um, and these are two lists that are very 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 prominent in Scripture the Galatians 5 Basically, the definition of success and failure. And Matthew 5, how to be happy, blessed, emotional well being, God's way. All right. Thank you so much and have a wonderful, blessed day.